Anthony, what's your question for Dr. Rajbans? Hi, doctor. Uh, my sister is currently suffering from lupus and I feel very sad looking at her and the only thing that doctors prescribe to her is steroids. I read somewhere that the side effect is depression and so on. So yeah, she's having depression right now as well. So is there anything that I can do to actually help her or what can she do? Right. Uh, I mean, uh, her lupus, is it just just the skin or also systemic? I mean, does it involve the lungs, the kidney and other organs? Hers is the lung. Yeah, the doctor diagnosed the lung. Right. So there's yeah. more of systemic lupus. Systemic lupus, atomosotis, actually can be quite a serious disease. Because once it can affect the lung, it causes inflammation. So you can get lung inflammation, kidney inflammation, joint uh, involvement. Even some people even the brain. So the in fact, sometimes lupus itself can cause depression. Of course, the treatment, you know, like you say, steroids also can have their own issues. And uh, But I think the no, most time nowadays, they don't use steroids for long term. They use a lot of other immunosuppressant drugs. Now, being an autoimmune disease, I think one of the things he has to really look at is a lifestyle. I've seen patients of mine who have really gone into a full lifestyle change, you know, go very plant-based, go very healthy, do exercise, do things like mindfulness, avoid all sort of refined carbs, saturated, take away all sort of toxins and uh, preservatives and all sort of chemicals in from their diet and, uh, you know, uh, drink a lot of water. And some of them actually have been able to suppress the disease, you know, because I think autoimmune is just your, your body attacking its own self and uh, something has gone wrong and it's, it's, it's like you need to somehow calm that whole mechanism and I think lifestyle is one of the things and I think a lot of our environment today we have got taking too much of chemicals and toxins that could probably aggravate this so while trying the medication of doctors you should look at a whole lifestyle change and be positive about the whole thing and I have seen people whose uh, lupus has burned out they don't have a problem anymore so I think she should really try all that first Now doctor is lupus something that is inherent in in a person or do they develop it? I think it's all of us have a, a genetic predisposition so these are not hereditary disease but we have variants that were predisposes and the moment we do the wrong thing get triggered off so today we know our genes actually don't play a role if you know how to switch off the bad genes and if you don't you switch on the, the bad ones and you actually get a disease uh, so today we believe that your genes can be zero cause of your problems or can be 80% cause of your problems provided what you do you know the genes are there is what we do to either switch off or switch on those genes I heard about the passing of Ashraf Sinclair and it really breaks my heart but my question is, how can someone so young and so fit suffer from a fatal heart attack? All right. So the the full context of the story is uh, Ashraf, who's a friend of ours, actually was traveling back from New York. He had just arrived back in Jakarta from New York. Yeah, and he went straight to work. His wife also went to work. And uh, by the time he got back, in the middle of the night, he went to bed and he never woke up basically yeah so we don't know because they there's no suggestion of chest pain or any symptoms isn't it just yeah. that they found him gone and so the question is like heart attack of what we suspect but someone traveling for so long you know from New York talking of a flight that's probably 20 hours yeah the other thing you have to think of is whether they get a pulmonary embolism that also can be very sudden a clot in the leg that just breaks and just goes straight into the you know your heart lung and then pop you just go so it could have been any of those things so we not cannot 100% say it's a heart attack but yeah I mean you know those days we used to get someone 20, 30 you know early 40s was rare to get a heart attack but now yeah. I've seen patients who was my youngest now is 18 years old you what? Know, so, so people's lifestyles have changed you know stress is one of the factors of course age is a factor but 41 is still considered young yeah but uh, this is fatal which is very yeah because some people they get heart attacks I mean at a younger age but they show symptoms they get treated immediately yeah. and, and their life is safe but this one is just like 
fatal. Yeah, but you see, they say fifty percent of which a lot of people don't realize that fifty percent of first heart attacks are just fatal. Oh, they just happen and you're gone. You know, it's the other fifty percent who have the typical symptoms. You know, they you know the chest pain that goes to the shoulder mm-hmm. to the jaw, sweating, cannot breathe, and then you see they are the lucky ones because they can then quickly go to a you know the center. Yes. They run to hospital. <coughs> and today, within uh, you know, if you come in early, very fast, they can either give you a medication to break up the clot or quickly go in and just do a you know what they call a angioplasty to open up that uh, vessel. So those are lucky ones. But there are a lot of people who just first symptom it is just drop dead. You know, people playing badminton, people playing squash, people uh, you know just go to sleep and never wake up. So all these are things, and you know that is the heart attack. And what happens basically is they get a, because of the block very sudden. The block occurs and they get arrhythmia. That means the heart, you know, electrical activity gets haywire and the heart just stops. Mm. So they don't even have time for the symptoms. You know, it's something that occurs very sudden. A block arrhythmia and you're gone. And that's what could have happened for him. But you know, then again, uh, you know, because uh, he came all flew all the way, and I think he's. He also said he went to the gym. Yeah. So you know he might be feeling tired, but he'll attribute it all to the jet lag. So and the gym. If you've gone for a long flight, it's always best to just let your body recover. Oh yes, I think that's very very important. You should always let it recover at least the first twenty four hours. You know, if you do anything, do a very light exercise, hydrate yourself. Yeah. Uh, don't overexert and don't get yourself overwork again. All right. Okay, I have a friend who has dementia at the moment, and just last week she had a stroke on her left hand side, and also water retention in her backbone. So, is there any cure for this? I mean, I didn't get the last part. Water retention where in the in the, in the backbone. Backbone is it? Yeah, on the left hand side where she had a stroke. Yeah, I mean that's common because she's not. Is she mobile now? Is she able to walk? Uh, no, she's still on the bed. Yeah, so yeah. that's of course, uh, you know, uh, once you are not moving, the, you know, water retention will occur. Uh, they call it dependent edema. So the uh, question is, see, actually, apart from the medication doctors will give you, physiotherapy is the key la, to recovery after a stroke. Yeah, getting that now at the moment. Yeah, but someone in dementia, sometimes for them to follow the, you know, instructions and do what they're supposed to do can be more difficult. Oh. But so still, they have to do that. That's the mainstay of treatment because after a stroke, the next uh, up to up to six months, you actually can get some benefit from physiotherapy. First two weeks are very important. The next two months are important. Then up to six months. After that, the chance of any further recovery will be actually very minimal. So they have to aggressively do this physiotherapy for the next uh, at least the next two months, lah. Yeah, now thirty-two weeks. So uh, yeah. So I think go keep on doing aggressive therapy. Carry on the medication the doctors have given and. Uh, But it's in the hospital now. So uh, yeah, so I think they'll know what the you know the medication will be going on and the physiotherapy will be definitely daily and uh, so just have to maintain that. Uh, but I know my dementia patients, one of the biggest challenge is that they don't follow the instructions and when they go back to you know to continue doing that rehab, most of the times people who are you know quite alert they will carry on their own. So that might be one area the family has to look at uh, when they go back what to do. So again, maybe home physio will be an answer for that. But she's staying in a home now, is she? Ah, uh, so even at home they can organize physiotherapies. To come in to help, but they are not doing well. That's the thing. So maybe this happened just at the just at the spur of the moment. The stroke. Yeah, yeah. Strokes like oh. heart attacks are they come just like that. They don't warn you. They just come. So it's your risk factors that we have to control. But when they come, they just come. And that's uh, so prevention is the best. But once you get a stroke, you, rehabilitation is the main thing. Now. So there's no cure for the stroke, is it? Whatever no, has no. happened, has happened. You, the medication will be to prevent a further stroke, and hopefully, new vessels will grow, or new nerves will grow. Sorry, that will help to maybe some improvement will be there with the therapy. Oh, okay. 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 Thanks, thank, okay. thank you. All right, Miss X. Hope that answers your question. Yeah. Thank you very much for your question. Okay, then bye. Marion, you have a question for Doctor Rajbans. 
my question is, I'm a cancer survivor and uh, a friend of mine's father has just been diagnosed with a blood cancer. Now, I don't know what actually relates to blood cancer. It's more than just the word blood there. So I want Dr. Rajan to explain and then maybe I can help by medication or anything to help because this is quite serious, you see. And I was told that he needs an injection only when something happens. So I don't know what it's all about, you know. So maybe Dr. Rajan can answer my question later on. Oh, no, yeah. he's right here. He's right here. Yeah. yeah, hi. Uh, Mary. Morning. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Rashman, you're there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So the question is, yeah. uh, you know, how old is your friend's father? Uh, he's 60, 65. 65, ah, okay, not that. Yeah. Because when you talk of blood cancer, there are a few types, you know, whether it's dealing with a leukemia yeah. or whether it's a lymphoma or whether it's a, what they call myeloma or whether it's some okay. myelofibrosis. There are many things that happen when we say blood cancer. The older they are, they got, uh, you know, things like myeloma or myelofibrosis that are, but then they can also get chronic myeloid leukemia and there. So, one thing is to know what type of blood cancer he has. Now, when you talk of blood cancer, they actually are treated by hematologists, whereas normal cancer is treated by oncologists. So, they're two different specialties you know because hematologists have their own way of managing uh, the good thing is that uh, hematologists most of the cancers unless they're very acute leukemias which are very aggressive most blood cancers today with the current treatment regimes we have are actually very good prognosis you no know, matter it's a myelofibrosis or a myeloma so if they think you only need the injection when you need it could be what they call a myelofibrosis which is actually quite a slow growing thing but I, I'm still not sure it could be any of the other chronic like myeloid leukemia or even myeloma so uh, is he seeing a doctor now a hematologist yes he's in uh, uh, under the he said oncologist in Melaka yeah, maybe the, the, the private hospital in Melaka yeah but they're not be sure because they're not they're not sure also yeah. okay okay because it's yeah. a blood cancer is actually a hematologist will be the best people to treat uh, whereas cancers are oncologists so I think whoever is treating will know what to do uh, and also they have to know what type of cancer they are dealing with. Uh, of course after the treatment, I mean you have survived for cancer so you know the lifestyle and all those are important. Maybe that's something you can advise because ultimately the lifestyle, all cancers are the same. Like, you know, you just have to have a healthy lifestyle. Okay, so I think yeah. that part that the <coughs> experts handle, the lifestyle part probably you can give some advice later. La. Okay Marion? Thank you so much, Dr. Rajman. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your question, Marion. Thank you. Ashraf, what's your question? I would like to ask a question. Um, it's regarding to the plantar fibrosis. Mm -hmm. uh, at times in the morning when I get up, I get severe pain in my right foot, uh, below the heel and also on top of my foot. What would you advise? Upon, upon after walking up and walking, I feel okay, but only during sleep when I get up from bed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's at the back of your ankle there, is it? Yes, it's the, the heel. The heel, yeah. Because uh, two eight things that's uh, most likely you're right is probably plantar fasciitis. Sometimes calcaneal spurs sometimes can cause pain like that also, but but that's more on the below the heel there. So it's what you basically have strained it is inflammation of the fascia and that's causing your pain. So trying local gels, some local plasters, you know, some, some heat therapy or physiotherapy. These are the options you got in the beginning. Now sometimes taking some non-inflammatory medicine just for a few days. If all that doesn't help, then you have to go and see an orthopedic doctor and sometimes they give you a local. In 
injection that can solve the problem. La. But I think try the local therapies first and see whether it helps or not. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. Doc. If you're not getting better, then you have to go and get an X-ray done and see whether it's a spur or a fasciitis, and then the orthopedic doctors can give you something local to help. All right, we'll all right, do. thank you. Doc. All right, Ashraf, okay, thanks right. so much for thanks. your question, man. Bye. Bye. That's fascinating because I had the same issue with my heel, my right heel, and it started with just a because I sprained my ankle. And then I tried to adjust the way I walked. And after that, my right heel started to hurt more and more and more. And then it kind of just, the less I didn't work on it, it kind of got better. But I didn't know that you could actually use gels on it. Yeah, just local, local non-inflammatory gels, you know, some local uh, anti-inflammatory pastas, all that will help. Uh, but in Ashraf's caves, he's like, only when he wakes up and he steps on the floor, it hurts. Yeah. And after a while, it goes away. So. Yeah, it's a bit surprising whether it's a spur. It could be then again a spur. But, it's some but if it's a spur, it should be painful the whole time he's walking Again, your right position depends on your position right how he you might be adjusting to not yeah. feel the pain right yeah, so you yeah. never know so you never know yeah you're right right all right so thank you so much for those questions dr rajmans thank you for your time 